Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. There's this white stone, and there's going to be a name written on it, and I'm going to give it to you. And, um, and so I was reading about that today, and, and you can find tons of interpretations about what that means. I think there's nine different ones out there that you may hear someone teach on at any time. But this commentator had talked about in that time when there were close friends um, and they were going to be going different directions for a season. They would take a stone and they would write a white stone and they would write each other's names on it and then they would break the stone in half. And they would, so if again, to use the example of Annette and myself, I would carry Annette's name on my stone and she would carry my name on her half of the stone and as we were physically separate from each other we would carry these stones with our names on it as a symbol of the faithfulness of our friendship and our companionship with each other until we were no more and and so it's a picture of Jesus extending his friendship to the church it's a picture of us realizing that Jesus has something with our name on it. I mean, the Bible says our names are written on his hands, but he gave them this message of faithful friendship they could understand. And so as we sing about this, I just want you, nothing else will do. I'm reminded that Jesus taught this church, we are together in this. I've got your side of the stone with your name on it, and you've got me with you, and you will overcome, and you will conquer, and you will continue to be a faithful witness because of this stone. So Olivia, if you'll just sing that one more time, just be encouraged by the friendship of the Lord at the onset of this evening. Jesus, for your presence, we don't want to leave it. Thank you that you invite us in. Thank you that everything from the beginning of creation was an invitation for us to walk in relationship with you. Help us to see that in a new way and a new level tonight and to take your hand. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to uh, share with you guys tonight. Let me see if I can pull this up. I'm always a little scared when I do that, that the top's going to come off. <laughs> Anybody else have that fear? <laughs> it hasn't happened. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> All right. I, I want to share with you tonight um, kind of a different picture of, the, of Jesus and our relationship with him. Paige has taught this often. I've heard her say this, that uh, the Old Testament is full of types and shadows of the coming Messiah, and it's telling a story. The story's consistent from the beginning all the way to the book of Revelations that she just mentioned, and it's telling a story of how God wants to be in relationship with his children, and that's me, and that's you, 
And tonight I want to look at a specific story in the Old Testament that very much is a type and shadow of who Jesus is for us. And that's in the story of a, of a man named Mephibosheth. Aren't you glad your mama didn't name you Mephibosheth? <laughs> for one thing, I've tried to spell it all week long, and I, I always look and go, nope, I still got it wrong. <laughs> anyway, uh, Mephibosheth, just to give you some historical background about who he is, Mephibosheth's father was Jonathan, the son of Saul, who was the first king that the Israelites had. Okay, so he's the grandson of Saul. So just to kind of catch us up to speed to where this story takes place, the Israelites had asked and asked for a king. They weren't satisfied without one. God said, okay, here's a king. King Saul began to... Um, not follow the Lord and not be completely surrendered to what he asked him to do. And therefore, there began to be some trouble in the camp. And as a result of that, the priest, Samuel, was told by the Lord, go anoint a new king, that he'll be the king. So he went to David's family. Here comes David into this story. David was a young shepherd boy, and when Samuel went to his family, we know that he looked at all the older brothers, all the handsome warrior ones, and tried to pick them, and God kept saying, that's not the one, that's not the one, until he got to David, who was the youngest, the most inexperienced, the one that was sent to the fields to watch the sheep while the others did the important warrior stuff. <laughs> but as God would have it, that was the right one. Samuel anointed him. Time passes. David goes to visit his brothers. We know that story about Goliath. God gives him the strength and the faith and the belief that he can fight that giant and kills Goliath. All these things take place. He, Saul says, oh, you need to come with me. Moving on down the line, Saul becomes very unhappy with David. He's jealous of his uh, ability and his power under the Lord. And he begins to come against David. Jonathan, that's Mephibosheth's father, the son of Saul, Jonathan and David are very good friends. They're brothers. They're friends like Paige mentioned if they they would be ones that would give each other a stone to remember as they went different directions. They, they looked out for each other. Jonathan saved David's life many times uh, when his father wanted to kill him. And so at the end of Saul and Jonathan's life, they were in a battle. It's not going to end well for them. And Mephibosheth is five years old. He has a nurse that's been given charge of him in their household and when Saul and Jonathan are both dead the nurse grabs the son and the whole family flees everybody all the servants the wives the other children and everyone flees because they're afraid for their lives that they will die that's the history leading up to this story that we're going to look at so in 2nd Samuel chapter 4 
verse 4, it says this small little snippet about Mephibosheth. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He wasn't born that way. We're going to learn what happened. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became crippled. His name was Mephibosheth. So flip over two chapters to 2 Samuel 6. That's it. <laughs> That's the place. I think it is. I might be on the wrong. Hang on just a second. You might have to adjust that a minute. Mm-mm. He just appeared out of my Bible. What? Thank you. (laughs) Upside down six. There we go. There it is, chapter nine. Okay, so in chapter nine, this story picks up. Many years have passed. We don't know how many. It's not recorded in the Bible how many years have passed. But years have passed. David has become the king. He is reigning in Jerusalem. And this story picks up in David's court. David asks In verse 1, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Remember that bond, that brotherhood that they had together. He wants to show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, are you Ziba? Your servant, he replied. The king asked Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Saul tried to kill David many times, remember, but David wants to show kindness to his household. Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Machir, son of Amil, in Lodabar. He had left the palace. He left everything that was familiar to him. He was five years old. He hadn't lived anywhere else. All he knew was the king's palace and the king's ways and all of the king's um, servants. That was his life. And he had left there at five in a hurry so that they would not be killed and lived in Lodabar. Totally different life, totally different situation, totally different circumstances, not recognized any longer as royalty. He became just a person living in a small town in the country. In verse 5, so King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Emil. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay honor to him. He didn't know why the king had asked him to come. Was this a good thing? Should he still be fearing for his life? He didn't know. He he didn't know. But he bowed down in honor, and David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Verse 7, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. 
I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your God, your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Who am I, is what he's asking, to be treated like this after all of this time? And I'm a crippled member of the family who was your enemy, and you're inviting me to eat at your table. What would make you do that? Why? Why? Verse 9, then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and to his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. Now he's meeting not just his physical needs of a place to sit at a table and have a meal, but his financial needs by providing someone to work crops, by giving land back that had previously been owned by his family, and allowing him to reap the harvest from that land. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. So in verse 11, then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son himself named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table, and he was crippled in both feet. And I want us to just uh, take a look at that in, in the eyes of the full gospel of the Bible and see the similarities there in this story. I want us to consider the fact that um, we are Mephibosheth. If you go back to Genesis at the very beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, he made a beautiful garden to supply every need, every want that Adam and Eve would ever have. And he invited them to come to his table, so to speak, to meet him in the garden every day and have fellowship one-on-one with him. And because of temptation that Eve gave into even though the Lord told them you have dominion over all the earth all the animals all the plants this I've given you the authority of the earth she laid that authority down in order to yield to this temptation and it changed everything in a moment just like Mephibosheth's life was changed in a moment when his grandfather and his father were killed and he had to run and we know from Genesis that Adam and Eve had to leave the garden and what had once been at their complete disposal was now something they had to work very hard for and to toil over and to spend their time and energy and blood and sweat to maintain and to to even survive and yet From the very beginning, the Lord's plan was for us to always find a way to his table. 
And so the word tells us that from the very beginning, before he even created anything, that he had a plan for his son to be the redemption of all that he created. And that's what Jesus is for us. Just like David became the king and said, I want to honor my brother, my brother Jonathan. I want to invite anyone in his family into my household so that I can care for them. King Jesus did that for you and for me. I want to be in relationship with my children, and so I'm giving my life so that they can come in and be with me. And you think about Mephibosheth's feet. Oh, you think about his feet. He wasn't born that way. That was completely an accident. It was beyond his control. It wasn't by his choice. And sometimes things in life affect us and change the rest of our lives or at least for a period of time. And it may not have been our choice. It may have been the choice of others. It may be complete accident, but yet it affects us. And I think about Mephibosheth's feet. <laughs> Say that three times. <laughs> I think about Mephibosheth's feet. I'm not going to try that again. And how Jesus' own feet were pierced for us, his body was wounded and broken for us so that we could be whole. And then I think about <clears throat> how David was on the throne in Jerusalem. And Jesus himself went to Jerusalem, didn't he? And he prepared a table for his disciples Think about who was at that table with him. Tax collectors, ordinary men, men with tempers, men that were stingy with money, fishermen, you name it. But they were all invited. And the Lord showed me something this week. I'm going to be a little bit, trans well, this is a lot transparent. I'm going to be transparent about something that, that, I experienced this week because to me this just drove this home for me personally and I hope it does you as well um, this week twice in two days I responded um, to different people in a way that I should not have I was I was disappointed in myself and I knew immediately after I did what I did that I needed to repent for that and ask for forgiveness. And I did, but my conversation with the Lord is what I want to focus on. I said, God, <laughs> why did that happen? I mean, two days in a row, what, what is happening? And you know what he said to me? I want you to understand it is not about you. Your invitation to anything is not about you, Annette. <laughs> it's about me Jesus God and he knows that we're imperfect and that never changes his invitation to come and he invites us to come I think about Mephibosheth sitting at that table his crippled feet from 
the time he was five years old were at that table with him. They were under the table. But he was welcomed there. And he was treated like everyone else at that table as a king's son. And God invites us to him in the same way to come as we are. Allow him to create the harvest, to create the change, to create the growth, but just come and sit with him, crippled feet and all, and allow him to just fellowship with us. Hmm. I uh, grew up with a brother that had muscular dystrophy. He's seven years older than me. And so he is my big brother. And I remember watching him as I grew. I looked up to my older brothers and sisters as younger kids do. I wanted to be like them. I wanted to do the things they could do and go the places they could go. And as I got older, I watched my older brother decline in his abilities as mine increased just because of physical ability and changes and growth. And that's very humbling. And then um, most of you know that I have a son who is in a wheelchair from a spinal injury. And again, I've watched him... Uh, you know, much like Mephibosheth had an ability to do things and then that ability changed. And it's very humbling to live with someone like that and to watch that and to know I can still do those things. That person could and now they can't. And um, what I want to just think about for a moment when we're thinking about Mephibosheth, his his injury, his disability, what happened to him in the past was visible and evident to everyone. He was carried out of the palace when he was five. How did he get back? Someone had to carry him back in to the palace. The same way he left was the way that he came back. Someone carried him back in because he couldn't walk. And as I was just praying over this and studying over this, the Lord said, showed me how many times we may not have a physical, outward, visible disability, so to speak, that we're carrying around. But we may have things on the inside that have scarred us emotionally, in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirits. And I just want to invite you to think about how even if that may not be visible on the outside because you don't wear it on the outside, God sees that on the inside. And he calls to those same scars and wounds and things, and he wants to invite you in even with those. We justify that. He wanted me to share that story about how I messed up, and he told me, no, it's about 
me, not me, him. It's about him because we justify things. And I could look at that and go, no, I can't. I mean, I, I allowed my anger to get the best of me twice in two days. I can't come. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'll clean that up and I'll come later when I'm better. And Jesus says, I want you to come the way that you are and let me help you become better. Because the truth is, I can't be better without him. (laughs) I can't. I might hold it together some days and then I might be a wreck another day. I can't do it without him. I need him. I need him. And so our invitation to you tonight is just to come, just as you are, with what you have and what you don't have, and just be in his presence and allow him to just fill you with his presence. When we come to his table, he says that we won't hunger or thirst. That's a pretty good deal. And I think it's pretty important that David told Mephibosheth that he was to come every day. Every day. He's coming to my table for a meal every day. I want to come to God's table for a meal every day. I want to fellowship with him. I want to eat with him every day. That's where my strength and my sustenance will come from, not from me, not from anything I can muster on my own, only from him, only from him. Madison's going to come and share now what is on her heart and we'll have communion together. I was thinking, that was pretty good. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> it's really peaceful. Um, as we were in worship, I just saw an image that I want to share with you guys. Um, but first, I want to I want to say like the spirit of the Lord is here in this room, and I know a lot of times we say that in in church, and um, sometimes it feels like we don't mean it, or it's easy to just pass by. But the Lord is here in this room, and I just want to remind you that the spirit of the Lord is here. He's not some distant God, but He is here in this room and he wants to encounter have an encounter with each of you um and as we were in worship um I just heard the Lord say let them run to me and I saw him as the father and I saw each of us and we were like little girls and he was reaching out his hand (laughs) to each one of you and um I just, I know it's, we all have different experiences with 
dads, and some of us may have come from a background where we didn't know our dad, or we didn't have a dad, or we didn't have a good dad, um, but the Lord is a good father, and so I just want you to imagine that, a good father, and he was reaching out his hand to each one of us, and if you have seen a little girl with her dad, and both of their faces just light up, and he just grabbed your hand, and he picked you up, and he held you in his arms, and um, <laughs> you were just laughing, and um, that's how he sees you. He just wants to take you by the hand, um, and so I feel like that that's just a picture of him as a father uh, tonight, that he just really wants to um, have a fresh encounter with you, and his eyes light up when he sees you. Um, his face was just glowing, and so um, just wanted to share that with you. And the same thing happened to me that happened to Annette this week. Uh, I was grouchy Sunday this week. I was a little grouchy. And um, just today I was thinking, God, what am I going to share? Because I don't have anything. <laughs> but you, Jesus, and he's enough. Um, but I was just thinking about it and thinking, man, what am I going to say? I'm like trying to drum up something to say. And um, he just reminded me how that us in our own ability, we're never enough. We're never good enough, right? To Like we were once worthless, but because of his gift and because he saw each one of us and he saw the value in us, um, he gave his life for each of us. And, um, and so it just reminded me that there is never a time where I can um, clean up enough or do good enough to where I'm worthy enough to be in his presence. It's because of his love for you, and it's because of the gift of his son that he made us worthy. He makes us worthy. And, and so, um, yeah, I was just reminded of that because I was trying to act like that I needed to clean up enough to even stand up here before you, but there's really never a time where we can just squeak, squeak, I keep saying squeak, clean up enough, get squeaky clean enough <laughs> to enter his presence, but it's because of his goodness and because of his grace, and um, I just would ask everyone, if you want to, uh, to close your eyes with me, I just kind of want to walk you through something, so um, like uh, Mephibosheth, I'm sure that to a lot of people, People probably called him names. People probably perceived him as not being good enough. And there were a lot of names and labels put on him. And even just in our own everyday life, there are things and labels that we put on ourselves. There are things even just, I just called myself grouchy, and it was true, but <laughs> the, just different names and, and things that the the world places on us. Maybe it's your past. Uh, maybe you've been known as an addict, and that's the label that the world's given you. It could have been true, but it's a label that you've lived by. Maybe there's a label of being um, unlovable or unworthy. Maybe there's things from your past that you've done that you've carried, or maybe there's been things that people have done to you. Um, or maybe you've just been struggling here lately. And sometimes those things that can be like 
they kind of stick to us sometimes, and sometimes we like to hold on to them. And so I just want you to imagine that you are in um, this garment, if you will. You're just standing there at this door, and you're wearing a garment, and it has all of these things on it that you, that maybe other people have called you or things that you feel like hold you back from encountering Jesus, things that maybe even be our excuses, like I'm too busy, or I'm too distracted, or um, maybe I've been hurt by the church before, and you're just standing there with all these things, and sometimes they can feel heavy, right? They feel like they weight us down and, and keep us from encountering the Lord, and then I want you to imagine just seeing the Lord, and if you don't see him at first, that is okay, but imagine that you are encountering the Lord, and he opens the door to you, and instead of closing it, he opens it, and he grabs you by the hand, and he gives you a great big hug. <laughs> he gives you a hug, and his eyes light up when he sees you, and whenever he sees you, he places a new garment on you. He takes off all of the other junk, and he puts a white garment on you. And you're like a bride on her wedding day. You're beautiful before him. And you are welcomed into a banqueting table with him. And he wants to sit down and talk to you. You are the main guest that's right before his eyes. And the table is just filled with food. Filled with a banqueting table of bread and grapes and all kinds of stuff. But he's not really focused on all the food. He's focused on you. His eyes are focused on you because he loves you. And that's how he sees you. He doesn't, oh yeah, you guys can open your eyes now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I had my eyes closed too. That is how he sees you. He doesn't see you with all of that other stuff that keeps you held back. He doesn't see your past. He doesn't see all of those other things that we let try to keep us from encountering him. But he sees you as a bride, beautiful and white, white garments. And he sees you as his daughter, and uh, he loves you. And so I kind of just wanted to leave you with that. And um, Olivia's, are you going to come? Okay. Olivia's going to come up here for a second to um, play. And um, if all of you would just like to come up, not at once, but um, when you feel led uh, to come up to get communion, if you've never taken communion before, um, this is just a representation of the Lord and um, his gift of his son on the cross. So um, Jesus... Uh, gave his life on the cross for us and for all of our sins, all of our shame, anything we would ever do. He gave his life for that. And um, so this is the body of the Lord broken for you. And this is the blood of the Lord shed for you. Um, and so you can partake whenever you want. Um, but I would just like to say that I believe the Lord wants to have just an encounter with you uh, during worship. I think that he wants to give each of us just even a fresh image of how he sees us and um, wants to give us just confirmation about how he sees each of you. And so um, if you want to take some time with the Lord and then um, 
we will partake. Thank you. Oh, and we are going to have um, prayer warriors on the side. So if any of you want prayer for anything, um, we'll have ladies over here on each of the sides. Okay. Thank you. I'd like to start out by reading the full um, chapter of Psalms 130 just over you as you kind of digest everything that was just shared. This is um, labeled Out of the Depths. Lord, I cry out to you out of the depths of my despair. Hear my voice, O God, and answer my prayer. Hear my plea for mercy. Lord, if you measured us and marked us with our sin, who would ever have their prayers answered? But you, your forgiving love is what makes you so wonderful. No wonder you are loved and worshiped. This is why I wait upon you, expecting your breakthrough. For your words bring hope. I long for you more than any watchman would long for the morning light. I will watch and wait for you, O oh God, throughout the night. O oh Israel, keep hoping, keep trusting, keep waiting on the Lord. For he is tender-hearted, kind, and forgiving. And he has a thousand ways to set you free. He himself will redeem you. He will ransom you from the cruel slavery of your sin and set you free. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 